Welcome to the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 73 of the show, and it's finally NFL Combine Week. The GMs are down in Indianapolis, the coaches, the scouts, they're all down there looking at their favorite prospects. I cannot wait to get into those prospects next week, but this week, we have to talk about John Lynch turning down a massive TV deal with Amazon. Adam Schefter released an update on Jimmy Garoppolo, his injury, and possibly some trade news. And of course, free agency is coming up. So we will play Let's Make a Deal 49ers Free Agency Edition. But first, we have to kind of get into some of the bigger news. Again, GMs are talking down at the Combine. Head coaches are talking down at the Combine. They're letting some news slip. They are answering a plethora of questions in regards to quarterbacks and where they're going to go. Is it Trubisky? Is it Winston? Well, the Buccaneers GM and even head coach Bruce Arians answered some questions regarding Tom Brady. And despite me not believing the rumors or the reports that Tom Brady will be the Niners quarterback come week one in 2020 per Mike Florio, like I don't believe that stuff and I never believed it. I have told you why I didn't believe it. But Bruce Arians made it very clear and kind of reiterated why we shouldn't believe that report because Arians was asked today uh what would it take for you guys to move Tom Brady would you actually accommodate Tom Brady if he did want to leave Tampa Bay go elsewhere whether it's San Francisco or a different team wherever it was would you accommodate Tom Brady's request Arians said nope bad for business five first round picks (laughs) Like, talk about the easiest way to just end a conversation. Oh, there's so many rumors. No, no, no. Bad for business, five first-round picks. Like, that's that's how every head coach and GM should do negoci- negotiations. Like, wh- what is the point of even having the conversation? We know Brady's not coming here. They know Brady's not going there. And let's be clear here, Brady's retired. So, like, the, the odds of him coming out of retirement coming to San Francisco, or again, playing in New England again, wherever it may be, Miami, who knows, slim to none. Simply because Tampa Bay has his rights. It's always been about they have his rights, and they're going to get their value for the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, it may go from five first-round picks to three first-round picks to two first-round draft picks if things actually got serious, but why would the Bucks? feel the need to give somebody else, especially a competitor in the NFC, the greatest quarterback of all time. Not only the greatest quarterback of all time, but someone who won them or helped them win a championship just two years ago. So the Tom Brady rumors and news, it's done, it's squashed. But the other big thing, it didn't come from a head coach, it didn't come from a GM, although John Lynch is down there in Indianapolis at the Combine, a couple scouts are there. Kyle Shanahan is not there with another handful of coaches, so kind of a, a, a I guess you could say, the Niners have their camps. <laughs> you know, they have one in the Bay Area, and they have one in Indianapolis. But the big news came from Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's not what you're thinking. It's not, Jimmy's been traded to the XYZ team, which was kind of rumored or predicted to happen per Tim Kawakami of like, look, things are going to heat up towards the combine. Today's only day one, but as the week continues and progresses, I'm sure we'll hear some more things happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Uh, but Adam Schefter is actually the one who kind of broke some news, albeit we kind of knew what was going to happen, just kind of were wondering when it was going to happen. And that is Jimmy Garoppolo is expected to undergo shoulder surgery soon, which would sideline him until the summer, which means July per Adam Schefter. Now, the one surprising thing is that Jimmy Garoppolo does not need surgery on his thumb, which was an avulsion fracture, the same injury Chris Paul had that kept him out six to eight weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo missed one week and played through it. Yeah, that injury uh, will not keep him or will not need surgery. And a lot of the questions were, well, how does that affect his trade value? And when a reporter says there is significant interest, that's the quote here from Schefter, significant interest in Garoppolo from multiple teams. Well, when Aaron Rodgers is likely staying in Green Bay, when Russell Wilson is likely staying in Seattle, and Tom Brady's not coming out, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, if not number one, is 1B on the quarterback trade market. He's better than Winston, better than Mariota, better than you know Kirk Cousins, and Cousins is likely staying too. So you have pretty much Wentz and Garoppolo, and even those guys have their drawbacks, the injuries, the inconsistencies at times. Like we know this, but it also helps when the quarterback class this year really isn't that good, and the best guy this year, Kenny Pickett, uh, has... <laughs> People don't want to, they kind of want to laugh at this, but like he has like seriously small hands and he would have the smallest hands of any quarterback coming out of college. And if he was to start this year of any starter in the NFL, like the small hands thing is real. And if you put him in a place that's cold and wet, it's going to be tough for him uh, in the NFL. But I digress. How does the shoulder surgery affect Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I'm sure to a certain point, there are already teams, and we already know this, there are teams that have uh, maybe their concerns over Jimmy Garoppolo's health. The Niners had their concerns over Jimmy Garoppolo's health and said, "Eh, we should probably get a quarterback. (laughs) And of course, the lovely Trey Lance is going to be quarterback one this year, but if you're a team like Washington or New Orleans or even the Steelers or the Buccaneers or the Panthers, whoever the, the, the team may be, uh, you have to weigh your options here, knowing that any time you go under the knife, it's very rare that you come out the same or even similar to what you were pre-injury. Now, we know how Jimmy's body took the ACL surgery. Obviously, he the knee has been fine, but not as mobile. And now that could have no, no determination on his shoulder by any means. They're very different parts of the body. <laughs> but when your body doesn't take to one surgery... That does, again, leave concerns of, well, that didn't take very well. Is this one going to take very well? Uh, Although I have no concerns over them finding the right surgeon and them actually doing a good job. Those are the questions teams have. Teams are extremely cautious with, like, look at the NFL draft. You think that they hound agents, they hound scouts, they hound players. They want to know every nitty-gritty detail. There are certain teams that go back to 8th grade. They call your high school teachers to know, how are they in the classroom? Was there any issues here and here and here? Like They'll call your 6th your, 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 your grade youth group <laughs> just to make sure that like there's no character concerns. And so, 
there may be none whatsoever, but the point is that they will dig and dig and dig and dig and dig. And so with a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo, they know who he is, right? He's a high character guy. He's a good leader. Those aren't the questions. The only real concerns are inconsistencies, not being able to push the ball down the field, and the biggest issue is health. They are going to dig and dig and dig and dig until they can find something to almost make them say no. That's what these teams do. Now, of course, you know, medical records get traded from each team. They get looked at. They get seen. Garoppolo has to pass a physical with the new team. Like, there's so many things that go on with trades and signings. And so with Jimmy, a team may not think Jimmy is, is the number one guy in the market. And arguably, they shouldn't if they still believe the top tier guys, Watson, Rodgers, uh, and Wilson are still out there, albeit they're likely not. But with Jimmy, it's like, yes, a, a shoulder surgery will affect his trade value. Anytime you get sliced and diced up, go under the knife, it does affect your trade value. But what can recoup that trade value instantly is the medical records, the surgeon he has, and how his body reacts to said surgery. Now, he's reported to likely get traded this month. We know this. It's the combine. Niners want to get this thing done in the next two weeks, right? They want to make sure they go into the offseason so they have money to sign their big-name free agent guys. So getting this deal done now, immediately, in the near future, makes the most sense in the world. It is what is expected to happen. With that said, any team that's going to make a trade within the next two weeks, they are likely going to get a Garoppolo pre-surgery and going to have to think, what is his shoulder going to be like post going under the knife? And again, they may even oversee that. They may say, we, we want you to go to this surgeon, see this guy and this guy and this guy. And again, there's so many layers to this thing. Of It's not as simple as Jimmy goes from here to here. It's not that simple. There are so many caveats to trades. Maybe teams want to see Wentz off the market first. And while I do think Garoppolo is worth a second round pick, that... Washington pick is number 43. <laughs> like, it's a pretty high-end pick in the second round. So maybe a team like New Orleans or a team like the Steelers say, hey, hey, look, like, we only need you for a year. We have the money to pay you. Uh, we're going to draft Malik Willis or Matt Corral or somebody else in the draft. Maybe Kenny Pickett, for all we know. And we just need you for one year. You don't, like, your injury may mean less to us because we have the guy we actually want behind you. But we're willing to pay you for at least this year in order to somewhat make the playoffs and teach this young guy. And then we can wash our hands of you. Like, there are certain teams that look at Jimmy and go, you're a one-year guy or you're a two- to three-year guy. And if the extension's on the table and Jimmy, who I believe has already talked to a few teams about an extension, it just... There are certain teams who will say yes to that and no to that. Which, again, another wrinkle in this whole trade Jimmy Garoppolo story. Like, if Pittsburgh says, we don't need you for three years, we want you for one year, but Washington says, we want you for three years, that medical history may come up or, or, or may you begin to linger of, like, is this the guy? Is this who we actually want? So, there's so many things that's going to happen. I still believe Garoppolo is getting moved at the trade, or excuse me, uh, at the Combine, uh, if not the Combine, shortly after the Combine. GMs talk, they'll kind of mule over these uh, the, the offers and kind of say, well, which one's the best for us? 
And San Francisco, while not desperate, they want to get this thing done soon. So I would expect in the next two weeks, uh, it might linger depending on when Jimmy gets that surgery, but I would expect in the next two weeks, this deal to get done from everything that's been reported, it looks like two weeks from now is going to be kind of where this deal is going to finish off and we'll know where Jimmy G will be. Could be sooner, could be later, but that's been the sweet spot so far and everything I've read. Uh, so, again, Jimmy's going to be gone. Tom Brady ain't coming here. And one person that's staying here is John Lynch. So, <laughs> The funny thing about John Lynch is that if you remember back in their postseason, uh, I guess post-playoffs, you know, wrap-up-the-year press conference where Shanahan and Lynch talked, uh, there was a question, I forgot who asked it, but they asked him about a rumor in regards to, hey, John, like we heard a rumor that there are reports that you were thinking about going back to TV. Like, Can you kind of speak on that? And John and Kyle, they looked at each other like, oh, God, like, how do they know about this? And Kyle kind of looked at John like, do you want to address this? Because I don't want to. <laughs> so uh, J- John kind of laughed and smiled and was like, you know, like I'm committed to this team right now. Like this is, what I, this is where I want to be. And so, you know, we all thought, okay, you know, rumors are dead, whatever, story's done. Like even if he was offered a deal, it doesn't really mean much. But then we find out that John Lynch turned down not just a job in TV, he turned down a job from Amazon to be part of their Thursday night football team broadcast for $10 million of a salary increase. John Lynch turned down $10 million in a salary cap or a salary increase from Amazon. People want to question uh, John Lynch's dedication to this and Maybe there's some sort of long play from Lynch here where he's like, well, you know, if if Troy Aikman's leaving Fox Sports, maybe Aikman's let in at Fox in a year because that doesn't work out, or whoever's going you know, to replace Aikman, maybe I can go to ESPN in a year. Like, again, who knows that stuff? We, I don't know that stuff. Uh, most people don't know that stuff. And so hearing this, my first response was, okay, it could be a long play here. And, you know, again, give it a year and we'll see where things are. But also... You know how hard it is to turn down a $100 raise? A Even a, if someone came to me today at my job and said, hey, I, I will give you a $10 raise. I ain't turning that down. <laughs> and they said, hey, we'll give you a $10 million raise. And he said, nah, I'm okay. And again, they had a meeting. They had dinner. Like, there were actual, like, talks in regards to, like, hey, you know. And, and it could have been a courtesy dinner for all I know. I'll hear what you have to say. Let's go have some filet mignon and, you know, $4,000 caviar, whatever it may be, you know. It could have been a simple courtesy dinner. Like, I'm sure, like yourself, I've had plenty of courtesy phone calls with, like, hey, you know, we want to talk about a financial plan for you. Like, okay, I'll I'll take your phone call. I'll, I'll be nice to you, but, like, I don't, I don't really want to do this. So, I'm not surprised that Lynch took the... the the dinner meeting with those guys, but I am surprised that he was offered $10 million and he said, nah, I'm good. Which again, reinforces the idea that John Lynch is committed to this 49er football team. Like this is where he wants to be. This is where he says he wants to be. And again, he made that very clear that I'm not leaving. You know, it's the, uh, it's a, the, uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, meme or, or GIF, you know, I ain't leaving. 
I ain't, I ain't leaving from Wolf of Wall Street. And so, I don't know. It, it, it just reinforces the thought to me that, that Lynch is committed to this team. And all the talks of 2017, awful draft. You know, I'd be the first person to tell you that, yeah, it was an awful draft. But in, in all the draft mistakes, Dante Pettis, even the Glinchy to a certain point, who is Aaron Banks, and all the, you know, the... The fans questioning, who's actually in charge of the 49ers? Is it Lynch? Is it Shanahan? I I think these guys work in tandem really well. They just spent a ton of draft capital to get the quarterback they liked. They invested a lot into this 2022 team in last year's draft. I think John Lynch wants to see this thing through. They've been to two NFC championships since 2017. It's been five years, going on six. And so... I think that John Lynch wants to at least, if not see this thing through, um, to give this thing, you know, its best shot. Give Lance two to three years, then let's, you know, let's decide. And by that point, the contract's almost over in San Francisco. So, you know, it, I, Lynch, like anybody, is a former player. He wants to win. He put in a ton of effort, and so is Shanahan. So is the entire coaching staff. They've put in a ton of effort, and these guys aren't people that just give up. And so when you go to, you know, Jed York in Prague and, and you say, look, like, we need to make a move here. We want to get Trey Lance and we also want to keep Jimmy and we also want to pay four other guys in the meantime. Like, this is what happens, right? And so when you make a bold move like that, Lynch is not someone to walk away from the table saying, yeah, I'm fulfilled. No, he wants to finish this thing through. He wants to work this thing out. And if they win a ring, then we're all cheering, right? And at that point, Lynch may say, I did my job. I'm done. I did what I wanted to do. If they don't get a ring, Lynch may say, I gave it my best shot. I gave it seven years. I'm done. I want to go back to TV. Uh, and I want to be with my family. Like, it's really it's really that simple. And, and when you know John Lynch, and again, I never met him personally, but when you know what he stands for, uh, and you listen to him talk and his speeches he gave, uh, you can kind of... You feel like you understand him a little bit more because you can tell that he's going to sit this thing through and he's going to ride this thing out for as long as he can and give it his best shot. Then, then they'll go on from there. Uh, but it's funny because when John Lynch speaks, you listen. And there's not many people around, well, at least in my life or, you know, there are certain people in your life where you look at and you go, when you when you speak to me, I can gain wisdom, I can I, I can learn something. And John Lynch is one of those guys. Kyle Shanahan is one of those guys as well. Uh, George Kittle is one of those guys. Frank Gore, uh, Patrick Willis, Justin Smith. You know, there are plenty of Niners. Joe Montana, albeit in recent history, maybe not. Uh, there are plenty of people in your life that you can look at and go like, when you speak, I'm all ears. And one of those people over recent Niners history has been Richard Sherman, someone who came in uh, 2018 and kind of transformed this defense. He was our first big free agent uh, signing under the Shanahan and Lynch era, someone that was asked to kind of, one, recover from your injury, but also teach the younger guys, be an example of how to win football games. Let's establish the culture here. And so when Richard Sherman speaks, you listen. But he said something this past week on his podcast, the Richard Sherman podcast, via Pro Football Focus, that I don't know if I liked it. 
I don't know if I agreed with what he said because it's not to say I don't think the Niners can acquire someone like Stefan Gilmore, <laughs> but I don't know the logistics and how it would work. And so Sherman pretty much said, look, I'm expecting, I believe, I think uh, that Stefan Gilmore, former Patriots cornerback, former Carolina Panthers cornerback, who's out on the open market, I believe, depending on his market, I have no idea what it's going to look like, but I am expecting him to go play on the West Coast, either for the Seattle Seahawks or the 49ers. And now playing for either one of those teams makes a ton of sense for Gilmore, once the West Coast, people love the West Coast, there's beaches, there's some, there's so many nice things over here. Uh, it's compared to other divisions, a, a lot of things are in you know, more close proximity. You know, you got Arizona, you got the Niners, you got the Rams, you got the Seahawks. We're all pretty close together, a couple, you know, maybe an hour or two playing right away. It's not that bad. And so I have no doubt in my mind a team like Seattle would love to get Stephon Gilmore in there, especially if they're going to lose guys like Quandre Diggs and, uh, and maybe even DJ Reed as well. Like, they're going to want another cornerback. And so that makes sense. And they have somewhat of the money to do so. Granted, they, you know, they're going to move money around. The Saints have a negative $80 million but can afford to get free agents still. <laughs> like, there are ways to make this thing work. But... When it comes to Stefan Gilmore, it's interesting from a 49er perspective of, would you want a guy like that? Yes. But there are questions. He'll be 32 come this year. That's not super old, but a cornerback who's been elite for a really long time. And, and don't get me wrong, Gilmore, who missed part of last season in New England, was really good in Carolina. Really good. Uh, got overshadowed because that team sucked and Sam Darnold couldn't do a thing and Christian McCaffrey couldn't stay healthy, but he was really good last year. My only concern is, would you invest two to three years and $10 million in a guy who'd be 35 in three years? Now, obviously, you can put in you know, option years and opt-outs here and there to make it work, but would you want to pay a guy like that? Or would you want to pay someone younger like a Carlton Davis on the off chance they can afford J.C. Jackson, which I don't think will happen, would you want to pay someone like that big money? Or would you want to invest in the draft? Mosley and Thomas played great towards the end of the season. Uh, Jimmy Ward played great almost all year. Uh, Tart had a really strong season, albeit be it, I do think the Niners need a ball-hawking player, someone that has a knack for the football. But the Niners' secondary wasn't awful. Like, it really wasn't the issue for the end stretch of the season. I get it. People say, well, we need the top-end guy. Not necessarily. The issue last year was that Mosey got hurt, Verrett went down, and you had to rely on guys like Josh Norman, Greg Kirkpatrick, uh, and even to a lesser extent, Demo Lenore, to actually play starting cornerback when... Three of those guys are not starting quality cornerbacks currently. One's a rookie who wasn't prepared. And Kirkpatrick has never, never been a starting caliber cornerback in the NFL. And Norman is far past his prime. He has some upside. You know, the peanut punches. We, we saw that. We saw the, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the really ugly from Josh Norman this past year. But that was the issue. An over-reliance on guys who should not necessarily be playing 
you know, CB1, CB2 for four or five games, which they were. And you really can't control injuries. And so my question is, would you rather pay up front for a high-end guy and not be able to bring back two or three of your own players, depending on who you believe those guys will be? I don't know. But, or would you rather draft two cornerbacks or sign a guy like Bryce Callahan, bring back K1 Williams, bring back Tart, and then, you know, I don't know, draft a cornerback in the second round or the third round. A guy you know can come in and be a ball hawk. There are some ball hawks in this draft. Guys who have really good on-ball skills. And so, I like Stephon Gilmore. I'm just worried about the price. I'm assuming he's going to want 8 to $12 million a year. J.C. Jackson wants to get paid big money as well. Like It all really depends on how that market gets set and what the market is for a soon-to-be 32-year-old cornerback. And if San Francisco says, hey, look, we want you, they'll make it work. Like, Gilmore, if he wants to play here, Prague with I and, or Marate, excuse me, and Lynch and Shanahan, they can make that work. But I'm just not entirely sure if that's mutual interest. Eric Davis thinks so, so maybe I'm completely wrong here. But I just don't know. Because right now, San Francisco has negative $5 million in cap space. John Clayton said Debo Samuel was supposed to get $19.5 million per year. Once his extension hits, Nick Bosa is rumored to get $30 million a year <laughs> uh, per CBS Sports' Joe Corey. So I don't know how they make this work. Again, they could extend uh, Eric Armstead, or excuse me, they can extend Jimmy Ward, and they can restructure Eric Armstead and save uh, a little over $15 million. Then you add in trading Jimmy Garoppolo. They have money to play with if they make all those moves. But again, I just don't know if Gilmore is... To me, Gilmore becomes second thought to bringing back our own guys. I'm not exactly sure if he's a guy you go, we need to bring him in. You may want to, I'm just not entirely sure you say, we need to bring him in. Well, from guys you need to bring in to guys you want to bring in to guys I might say you shouldn't even bring back, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to make a deal, 49ers free agency edition. All right, all right. Let's get into my game announcer voice with ladies and gentlemen. Let's make a deal. Okay, I apologize for that. But the first, and, and the way this is going to work is that PFF Pro Football Focus put together a projection of a handful of 49er free agents and what their contract will be, how long it'll be for. So, three years, $20 million. I will say yes, I will say no, I will explain to you why, and I want you to play along here. Would you make these deals? Would you not make these deals? So with that said, let's dive into number one, Lake and Tomlinson, guard, <laughs> left guard, uh, three years, $27 million, $9 million per year, $16.5 million guaranteed. Uh, this is a no-brainer to me. Uh, with the uncertainty of what Aaron Banks is, I think bringing Lincoln Tomlinson back is one of the biggest moves San Francisco, or probably the biggest move San Francisco has to make this year. I don't care uh, maybe how old you is or how overpriced you think he is. Uh, he is the best, one of the best guards on the market. And look, I said it last year in 2020 when this team wasn't that good. 
you fix the offensive line, this offense will be much improved. Lakin doesn't miss games. He's an Iron Man. He made his first Pro Bowl this year. He hasn't even hit 30 yet. And to me, Tomlinson, who had a run block grade of 75.3 this past year and an 80.9 in 2020, uh, he's having best stretch of his career so far, so why not bring him back? Yes, I make this deal. Three years, $27 million, $9 million per year. Lock him up, Lakin Tomlinson. Number two, and with this next player, I want to backtrack somewhat because two weeks ago, I said, I'm not sure this guy is really that important. Reminder, he was a six-round pick. Well, you know, thinking about it, reading about him, watching him play again, I can say, I'm stupid. (laughs) Because while I do think you can find someone similar to DJ Jones, it's very hard to retain young players that are this good entering the prime of their career and playing their best football. Um, I don't care now. He was a six-round pick. Yes, you can find someone in the sixth round, but it doesn't mean they should have been drafted there. DJ Jones would have been a second-round pick, if not a first-round pick, on many teams, uh, wishing they had him on their defense. Now, is he great against the pass? He's not bad, but not great by any means. But where he makes his money is the run. He's one of the most undervalued free agents and defensive linemen in the NFL. Made big plays against Seattle, against the Bengals, and really, really big plays all year long. And is one of the reasons why San Francisco did not have a team rush 100-plus yards against them for about eight weeks this season. Again, he had a career-high PFF grade at 73.7. And he also, again... May not have a ton of value as a pass rusher, but as a run stopper, he's one of the best in football. He was ESPN's highest rated run stopper, in a very general term of it, run stopper uh, in the NFL this year. So three years, $26.25 million, $8.75 million per year at $15.5 million guaranteed. Lock him up, DJ Jones, the DJ... The defensive line and the offensive line are the two most important positions on this Niners team. But here we get to one of maybe the bigger question marks. Is K1 Williams. I like K1. Many people have this anger towards him, or the lasting impression of him is the NFC Championship game, Cooper Cup kind of going off against him. And and I understand that. And K1's getting a little He'll be 31 years old at the start of next season. Again, one of my concerns for Stephon Gilmore was he'll be 32. And so, K1, who's a smaller nickel back in the NFL, uh, again, a really good one in, in that. But 31 years old, one year, $2.5 million, $2 million guaranteed. I may lower that to one and a half guaranteed. Uh, maybe kind of put some incentives on there to get that two and a half raised maybe three million dollars but with k1 he's missed some time every single year he's been here but when he's healthy he is stout he is a top nickel back in the nfl in 2019 he was the nfl's second highest graded nickel back and he was along with sherman the i believe the highest graded pass coverage duo in the nfl obviously two years later he's not 29 anymore he'll be 32 or 31, excuse me, going into this year. So, but here's the thing. It's one year. Who's going to replace K1 for one year? 
if, if you think Lenore will be your Nickelback next year, I don't think he will be. But you want to give him more time? Give him an extra year, bring back K1, and, and you can figure this thing out. So yes, I bring back K1 Williams for $2.5 million on a one-year deal. But the next guy is tough. Even tougher than K1 because it's Jason Verrett. And I like Jason Verrett. I actually love Jason Verrett. But the issue with Jason Verrett is he just can't stay healthy. When they signed him in 2019 and he played that first game against the Steelers, I said, oh, I can't wait to see this guy play. He's been hurt for so long. He has so much upside. Then he gets hurt. And they're like, get on the bench, back on IR. You're not healthy. Then 2020, he has an amazing season. One of the best seasons a Niner cornerback has had outside of Sherman in a really long time. But, again, I'm just not sure if I can sign him to a $3 million deal and have that chunk of money on on IR again. I can't do that. Now, if he wants to take, again, the projected salary here is one year, $3 million, one and a quarter million dollars guaranteed. I don't mind that deal, but here's the thing. I would almost rather spend that money elsewhere. You know, Bryce Callahan, a different cornerback. I, you know, spending on the draft class. Uh, if you have to extend somebody, restructure somebody, there are other guys. Maybe signing a linebacker, or if Arden Key wants big money, bring Arden Key back over Jason Verrett. Jason Verrett didn't play at all last year, and you can argue, well, if they had a Verrett at a healthy elite level, they probably would have won. Maybe. But Mosley and Thomas were not necessarily the problem in the NFC Championship game, albeit they weren't great, although Mosley was, Thomas wasn't, but still. I just don't know. Like, I think it's time to kind of cut your ties, let him go. I'd rather use that $3 million to go get Stefan Gilmore, or part of Stefan Gilmore's contract, than Verrett. I just think Verrett, there's too many concerns. Like, serious ACL, devastating out for the season injury concerns for me to say bring back Jason Verrett unless he's signing for, you know, pennies on the dollar. So I'm going to say no to Jason Verrett. This next player really only depends on what happens with DJ Jones. And again, in this situation, I'm bringing DJ Jones back so I can afford to let this next player leave in free agency. Uh, he's one player who I deemed to be a sleeper during the offseason last year. You bring him in, uh, he can play valuable minutes, <laughs> as a basketball term, but he can play valuable snaps, excuse me. Um, and he can give you meaningful snaps. He's someone who was kind of underrated when he was in Oakland and Las Vegas, kind of a write-off, just like Arden Key was. This guy's Maurice Hurst, and I like Maurice Hurst. But for one year, one and a half million dollars, he didn't play. At all, he missed 14 games last year. And if you're bringing back Javon Kinlaw, hopefully he's healthy again. Hopefully that knee is healed up. You're bringing back DJ Jones. You have Kevin Gibbons. You have Contavious Street. You can draft the guy in the sixth round and pay him half of what you pay Hurst. I would rather see Hurst go. I like the guy, but I think it's time to part ways for one year. Again, there's not much worth bringing back there if you're not going to be healthy for us. Because the next guy is the exact opposite of what Maurice Hurst was. Again, similar, but opposite. This next guy. Two years, $12.5 million, six and a quarter million guaranteed. 
and six and a million, six and a quarter million per year. Arden Key. This is a no-brainer deal to me. He was phenomenal down the stretch. He had a career-high six and a half sacks, five tackles for loss, and 17 quarterback hits. Look, I'm not saying he's a world beater, but you give me Arden Key, someone who was a castaway from Oakland and, and the Las Vegas Raiders, someone who came in, Chris Kosarek unlocked something in him. He was very much Kerry Hyder 2.0, right? Well, this time, he's going to be a lot cheaper than Kerry Hyder. You can get him for two years. You can let Hurst and you can let Verrett walk away. You can put Ebukam and Key together. If D Ford can actually stay healthy for five or six games this year, uh, that's a really good edge rushing core with, again, Bosa, Ebukam, and Key. Like Those guys were amazing down the stretch. Key can also play on the inside and the outside. So he does give you versatility to mix and match with Armstead, with Ebukam, with Jones, with Bosa. There are so many things Key can do that really he wasn't utilized for in his tenure in Las Vegas and Oakland that he was used this year. I think Key is one of the most underrated players in free agency, and but I do think he's one of the more important free agents for San Francisco to retain this offseason. The next guy, kind of like K1 Williams in regards to the lasting impression, really wasn't that great. And when you're asking someone to pay two years, $5 million, $2.5 million per year, three and a quarter million dollars guaranteed, I don't know. I think many fans out there would say no to this, and I don't understand why, but this is Jaquiski Tart. I think Jaquiski Tart had his best season in San Francisco, and I don't think Tart would necessarily go somewhere else to get big money the safety market everyone's like well you can't give him a, a huge deal well you're not going to give him a huge deal Matthew will get big money from Kansas City Marcus Williams is out there for New Orleans there, there are big name safeties out there that are going to warrant a big paycheck and I think Tart had his best year of his career I understand the concerns he can't stay healthy he may not be the best guy when it comes to catching interceptions in playoff games. I, I understand the knocks, the concerns, the worries. I really do. But Tavarius Moore is finally healthy, per Matt Barrows. Uh, if he's back, he's somewhat of a ball hawk, or at least around the ball a lot. But I'm all for bringing Tart back for two years. Letting Hufanga, who really wasn't that great in pass coverage this last year... Letting him, again, play in the box a little bit, play towards the line of scrimmage again, but also drafting a guy. There are plenty of safeties in this draft that you don't have to go for high. Leon O'Neal stands out to me that you can get in that third to five round range that can be starters in the NFL. Not immediately, but are guys that can help you rotationally. And if you don't think more can make it, you can let more go and bring somebody else in. Like, there are options here for San Francisco, and I think bringing Tart back and drafting somebody to eventually replace him and maybe pair with Ward and Hufanga might be the best option they have. I think Tart is wrongfully hated for one play. One play does not make your entire career, doesn't make your entire season. So I think they bring back Tart for two years, $5 million. Only two more. Only two more, I promise. Tom Compton is the next guy. One year, 
$1.75 million fully guaranteed. Now, when I say this next statement, don't shoot me. <laughs> uh, Tom Compton, I don't want to say saved, but Tom Compton had a career year and was pivotal. Despite his mistakes and his inconsistencies at times, looking at the Green Bay game, uh, the Titans game, the Rams game late, I get it, but he kind of saved the Niners' season, right? Uh, Trent Williams gets hurt week 17 going into week 18. Uh, Tom Compton replaces Mike McGlinchey. Don't forget, when McGlinchey went down, they were like, Jalen Moore, get out there. Jalen Moore, get out there. And Jalen Moore couldn't handle it. He got benched against Jacksonville. And Tom Compton, who I think many of us said should have been cut two years ago, didn't understand why he was making the money he was. And at 33 years old, when he's healthy, he's been reliable. He can play guard. He can play right tackle. He's not awful. And he showed us that. He showed us why Shanahan trusted him so much. He had a 79.9, pretty much an 80 overall grade in 2021, his highest of his career, and his run blocking was 89.5. Like, there are a lot of things Tom Compton can't do. You can go, ooh, I want to upgrade. But there are a lot of things Tom Compton does really well. And I think as a backup to Mike McGlinchey, who you hope can come back, but there are some concerns of will he ever be the same? Can he recover from the quad injury? There's like a 50-50 chance he's not going to come back. Like, keeping Tom Compton around would be extremely important and is extremely important. I'm all for drafting two offensive linemen this year. A center and a right guard. I'm all for that. Figure out your interior offensive line, build up reserves, and hopefully, guys, you can start later. Let's replace Brunskill. Hopefully, that's Aaron Banks. And if Mac retires, get a center. I'm all for that stuff. But you have to have reinforcements. You never know when someone's going to go down. In 2019, it was Skule who took who took um, uh, Staley's place and played big time. Brunskill replaced McGlinchey in 2019 as well. Well, this past year, uh, Colton McKivitz, who... I think many of us said uh, should be a practice squad guy, and he was for a large majority of the year. He played really well in Week 18 in Trent Williams, uh, replacing Trent Williams against the Rams, and Compton played really well down the stretch uh, in replacement of McGlinchey. Were there mistakes? Yes. Were there times where I said he was the worst guy out there? Yes, there was. But ultimately, having him be your your seventh offensive lineman, your backup right tackle is not the end of the world. Especially when you have a guy coming back who the health concerns may may be real. There, there are serious health concerns there with Mike McGlinchey. So yes, I'm bringing back Tom Compton. And the last one. This one to me is kind of like Jaquiski Tart in the manner of a guy who I do think gets a bad rap. People say he can't stay healthy. They don't understand, or his impact is hard to see, or envision sometimes. But this next player is Raheem Mostert. And for whatever reason, I don't necessarily understand why that fans are holding it against him because he wanted more money post-2019. Like, yeah, 
I single-handedly won you the Green Bay Packer game <laughs> in the NFC Championship. I was really good against the Vikings in the NFC uh, Divisional Round game. And I was your running back one while you went on this insane run to the Super Bowl. I won a little race. He wasn't asking for like $10 million. He wanted $3 million. Like, that's, that's nothing. That, that, that's, that's chump change to owners and, and GMs and stuff. So, I get the way he asked it kind of late. Uh, we're heading into the you know in training camp, and it's like, okay, look, like, I want to raise. And it was like, I'm going to hold out, or I'm going to ask for a trade. It was kind of like, yo, like, like, what are you doing? I understand the agent stuff doesn't, you know, doesn't line up well with certain people, and I get that. But I think Raheem Mostert, uh, what he will be able to do or should be able to do if healthy in this offense uh, is going to not only aid the explosiveness in the running game when paired with Elijah Mitchell and hopefully Trey Sermon, but also what Raheem Mostert's able to do in the passing game is like no other running back we have. The Niners currently do not have a pass-catching running back. Jermichael Hasty, you are not a pass-catching running back. Like... You're not a deep threat. You can't run huge routes. Uh, Raheem Mostert is a, can be a deep threat. He has elite speed, and he does does add another dimension to this Niners offense. I get it. You play one snap, you're done for the year. I get it. That that upsets people. That makes him leery of bringing you back. I understand that. But what Mostert can bring to this offense, he has the explosiveness. The ability to hit big chunk plays. He's a home run hitter. Outside of Debo Samuel and George Kittle, for the most part, this team does not have a home run hitter. Mitchell is a really good running back. Trey Sermon, you hope, can be a really good running back and read options with Lance. And you want to help Lance, too. You want to keep Kittle. You want to re-sign Debo. You want to have Ayuk for another year. You, you have the building blocks around Lance to be successful. Well, why not get him another weapon? He's not going to cost much. One year, $1.75 million, $1.25 million guaranteed. It's nothing. That's two practice squad linemen. That's two, last year, it's two Tom Comptons. It's, that's a Travis Benjamin style deal. You can get a lot more value out of Raheem Mostert than Travis Benjamin. So to review, I'm bringing back Mostert. I'm bringing back Compton. I'm bringing back Tart. I'm bringing back Key. I'm bringing back K1. I'm bringing back DJ Jones. And I'm bringing back Lake and Tomlinson. And I'm letting Jason Verrett and Maurice Hurst walk in free agency. I think they are the two most expendable free agents on this Niners team outside of guys like Benjamin and guys like that. Like the bigger name expendable guys. For San Francisco. So with that said, to know what happens towards the combine, to know what prospects to look out for, to know when Jimmy's getting traded, who is San Francisco bringing back this offseason, well, you're going to want to follow us on social media. At 49ers.access is the Instagram, and at 49ers underscore access is the Twitter don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave a review. And if you plan on going to any basketball games, football games, maybe some baseball games soon, you're going to want to use discount code 49ERSACCESS, all caps, 
on SeatGeek for $20 off your first purchase. Everybody likes a deal. This is a really good one for you out there. 49ers Access, that's 49-E-R-S-A-C-C-E-S-S on SeatGeek, $20 off your first purchase. And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast, and stay faithful.